really transition into working for your family on the farm and you know be a person. Um, <laughs> but now it's it almost seems like high schoolers aren't ready to do that. Like if you kicked a high schooler out of the high school and told them to you know get a job and be a person, they would flounder. Um, <laughs> When when do we become a person now? Because I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, it's never been clear. I suspect, mm. but I, I think as much as as much as these various degrees of education, um, I, I think that they've kind of transformed from being the the grindstone on which young are sharpened and has instead become sort of like a holding station to keep them out of the way. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it varies, obviously. Like, I, I say that as a public school graduate and speaking specifically of public schools, obviously the private circuit is a whole other animal um, and the academic rigor there is not something I suspect I even appreciate all that much, but like having worked at the community colleges for you know three four years now having worked at montclair i very much get the sense that you know not that students are lazy but they've been able to succeed with a minimum of effort mm -hmm. um and they expect that to continue at the college level and oftentimes you know throwing a roadblock in their way saying no you can't plagiarize this assignment or no I do expect, you know, a five-page paper is often shocking to them. Uh, so something it, unexpected. Yeah. So it sounds like becoming a person is some combination of like being challenged and having to put forth effort, but then also being, I don't know, supported and um, brought into a kind of community, right? Like of the the yeah. school, the public school, essentially, or whatever kind of school you're in. And knowing that sort of like knowing that the deal is if you do this little bit of effort and you sort of stick with it uh, and you trust that this is good for you, then, you know, when you graduate or, you know, come of age or whatever the, the process looks like, then you will have what's necessary, you, you know, to go out and get a job and uh, start your own sort of independent thing, whatever it might be, a business or or more school, right? If you want to go on to college or whatever. But that's, it seems like something in that has broken. And I don't know if it's the effort that the students can't do it, or it's that the trust, right, is not there anymore. Like you said, uh, you know, yeah. we don't sort of believe anymore that getting a, even a college degree is necessarily going to mean that you'll be able to set up shop in that way anymore. Um, but I feel like those things kind of go together. They do. So. There is sort of lack of faith on, yeah. like, on the part of the students. They have lost faith in the authority figures who sort of assert this authority over them. And the authorities themselves have lost faith in the students being able to live up to just the basic expectations that they would have practiced once upon a time. Like, yeah. everybody has lost hope. Except, except us, I think. And my little world at least uh the prospects for studying video games are only getting brighter because like you know the way that the existing institutions are going there ought to be room for something new uh 
for better or for worse. Um, so anyway, so that's my little hard segue into our topic tonight, which is the uh, the fall semester. I keep calling them semesters, although I guess yeah. technically a semester is like one half of the school year, and we don't really have anything that formal established. So I don't know. Um, it makes sense from my perspective, just because I think it's semesters. Like that's that's how my schedule functions. Yeah. So. Well, so yeah, I mean. So fall semester, uh, you're busier, obviously, uh, putting together new material and a new teaching new courses. Um, and Stephanie, who almost never comes to any discussions anyway, but she is going to be starting a new job, which is pretty cool, uh, at an online private school, actually. Uh, nice. And so she'll be doing um, technically a halftime role for that but i her you know the way she is she'll probably end up spending more time than she expects on that so um so i think a good goal for the short term would be to do stardew valley uh, i still think that would be a really worthwhile thing to get to have a, a kind of a bigger conversation about that just in terms of the number of people i mean um yes. but not not spending because I don't know if that game even really has an ending to it, so not spending... If Sarah's play has been any indication, it hasn't. <laughs> it just goes there, goes. there are certain metrics that, you know, certain milestones and stuff that are to be achieved, but I mean, she, she I think she's finishing up the winter of year six on Hurricane, um, okay. and she's still going strong. Well, cool, and so I think that would be a, either a one-off conversation, just kind of like a open forum for them all who know the game well, Steph and her sisters and Sarah and whoever else wants to join. They can just discuss things that they have been curious about or kind of have theories about or, or whatever it might be. And um, I'll do my normal thing of just trying to sort of dig in and see what the game is uh, trying to teach us. Um, or what it's teaching us without trying to, or, or you know, whatever. Um, so we'll try to do that soon. And then beyond that, I guess we're in a, like, small game. Because uh, we've been kind of taking turns, right? So Deus Ex, if we count it as a big game, which I think it is, um, then we would back be back to more of, like, a smaller indie type game for this next semester. Um, and I don't know if if any of the ones that you had suggested before for the summer would work well for that. Um, yeah, we could try some of the, you know, more typical CRPGs, something that does not require, you know, shooter skills yeah. uh, or stealth or any of that. Um, like some of them are, are clunky in their own way, but I get the feeling that Switching back to the turn-based format would suit you and Steve a lot better. <laughs> yes, I think so. So, are any of these turn-based? There's uh, quite a few. Um, as I recall, both of the traditional CRPGs I recommended, so Planescape Torment and uh, Shadowrun Dragonfall, uh, both of those are old-school turn-based. 
uh, RPGs in the style of like a Dungeons and Dragons or something. Uh, like they, they get their lineage directly from old tabletop RPGs, including the turn-based mechanics. Um, so some of them are still brutally hard. And downplay that, but it's one thing to be brutally hard, which also require you know cat-like reflexes and action abilities. Yes, it's another thing for it to be brutally difficult and True. All right. I think I can manage that. Um, so the difference between them then, the uh, Planescape Torment, is that the one where you are the... Okay, yeah. So you're the character covered with the scars of a thousand deaths who keeps waking yes. up in the crossroads between dimensions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that one sounds like it's a bit meta uh, in a way that I don't know if the the Dragonfall one is? Um, yeah, they're both meta in different ways, I guess. Okay. Um, Planescape Torment is less, like, metatextual in the sense of, like, the, the inquiring, you know, what is video game, as it is just because of its location, it, it very much is an interrogation of the entire Dungeons & Dragons metaphysics. Okay. Um, which, you know, there's a lot there and a lot that can be unpacked, but it's also not difficult to unpack. Like, mm -hmm. the, the game is dense, the plot is dense, the characters are dense, um, but its approach is 100% earnest. Just, you know, these characters inhabit this world, and while this world is a bit of a commentary on D&D, it's entirely on the external level, like, that's all for the, the player to sort through if they so desire, and mm -hmm. if they don't, that's fine. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, like you can you can read it straight is what I'm getting at. Okay. Um, Dragonfall, on the other hand, I think that game, like Torment, plays things straight, but the metatextual level is a little bit more obvious, um, and it very much interrogates. The relationship between the player and the world. Okay. Um, not the way that the characters in the world notice, but in a way that the player will be hard pressed to notice. Um, like, I, I think Dragonfall was, still remains as the game that has most challenged me as far as trying to sort out my ethics. Interesting. As I was playing it, like, it has the most rich ethical decision-making of any game I've ever played. Yeah, yeah, and that sounds... Well, that's funny, because the the game that I had in mind, which is very much a small indie game that uh, a lot of people probably know and love already, is Undertale. And it sort of toys with the idea of, uh, of a moral, you know, uh, good and evil um, kind of open choice for the player uh, but it's I think a pretty simple on the face of it uh, sort of game so it would be a per I, I would think of it as a, a pretty easy game to get into uh, and 
it's one that I have played a couple of times at this point. Um, so they might make a nice kind of pairing, actually. Because um, that's the other thing I was going to say is like, normally at a school, uh, you would read more than one book, right, in your course. And so this this sort of like theme of the uh, the CRPG is kind of a nice thing that we could run with for a little bit here. Um, jumped in with Deus Ex, and then we could go to um, either or both, the Shadowrun game, the Planescape game, uh, and then also the indie game Undertale, which is more recent, right? So kind of yeah. get a few different looks at this thing. And I don't know if I would even call it a CRPG because it's very much following the JRPG sort of, I don't know, formula. Uh, and then mess, yeah. messing with it. It is its own thing. Like, it leads that direction, I think. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we've got to come up with a, uh, like a schedule for these. So of the two... Which would be longer, do you think? Um, they're roughly even, if I'm not mistaken. And they're both, like, both of the ones I suggested are fairly long. Okay. Um, it's real fast. Yeah, according to my Steam profile, it said that it took me 28 hours to beat Shadowrun Dragonfall, so... Shorter than Deus Ex, shorter than Near Automata, uh, but still pretty substantial in its own right. And I wouldn't be surprised if my landscape playthrough was similar. Huh. Um, so, yeah, we might not save a whole lot of time Gotcha. Um, if we go that route. All right. All right. Well, do you think that there's a better order to play them in? Um, Planescape is certainly the older game. Like, it's, it dates back to, I want to say 2000, 2001, whereas Dragonfall is 2011, 2012, I want to say. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd say if we are going to play both, or if we're even going to plan on that, like, long term, I'd say play Torment now. Just because it does have the sort of greater historical heft. Um, Dragonfall is the newcomer by comparison, but Planescape Torment is, you know, where a lot of these tropes and ideas not necessarily found their start. It is very much the Majora's Mask outsider to the existing D&D games like Baldur's Gate that were already there. Okay. Um, but, you know, it, it will give us a sense of what CRPGs were in their heyday. Um, so you could, you know, see something like Dragonfall and see how they're iterating on those ideas. Yeah, I think that would be, yeah, going chronologically when possible, I always think of that as sort of the best approach. But that's, again, my stodgy sort of historical humanist uh Oh, as a sorry. stodgy historical philosopher, <laughs> I can definitely that. Yeah, and so all right, so let's let's tentatively say that this fall is for Planescape Torment, and then whenever we finish that, uh, you know, going into Shadowrun thereafter, 
Um, now this is all, you know, pending the approval of our other couple of students here. Um, yeah, have you heard from either Steve or Corey about the fall? I know that Steve is around, uh, but I am guessing he might have fallen asleep tonight. Uh, I texted him and I haven't heard back. So, he, yeah, but he did. He did say that planning and stuff would be totally okay by him, rather than uh, pressing on through Deus Ex. So, uh, and Corey is here somewhere. I think uh, maybe helping put William to bed. So. Um, I'll check with her and make sure this is okay, but I know she wanted to do some streaming at one time, and so I'll see if she's still interested in doing that, um, but that can be sort of another, another conversation, um, because it's, I don't know, it, that involves a lot more work, I think, than I'm willing to do personally. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, do you find that recording is a bit easier, though? and then just posting a recording? Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on what your recording looks like. Mm -hmm. um, like, when I was doing the Deus Ex videos, I was literally playing the game while recording it, and then just, on a, like, immediately uploading it to YouTube with yeah. relatively little fast. Um, the, the first hour videos tend to be a little bit more work-intensive because I'm editing a good bit in there. Um, like, I, I aimed for it to be sustainable at, at, like, you know, three to four hours total from the moment I start the game to the moment that I'm ready to upload. Yeah. Um, but that's, uh, the, as the more that I end up expostulating about these games, the more time it tends to take for me to, you know, make it more engaging. Uh, so, on the, you know, the, the advantage of streaming is it's literally happening right there as you're doing it. Yeah. Like, it's a little bit of setup to make sure that everything is going to work, and it's, you know, a little bit of organization as far as making sure that all the bits are functioning properly. Uh, and you've got to be on your game while you're doing it, as far as I can tell. Like, you know, everything happens in that moment, and, you know, a lot of really effective streamers are simultaneously playing the game, responding to comments. Like, there's a lot going on there, uh, which is why I tend to prefer recording to that more <laughs> control of the process. Um, but, you know, if she's game for it, more power to her, and I suspect if she'd handle the, the whole sort of juggling act that it requires, then it may very well be less time-consuming hmm. uh, in the final analysis. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah. I think that the uh, I don't know the kind of commentary you're doing is is a bit different uh, depending on whether you are streaming live and like you say re responding to comments and all that stuff versus maybe yeah doing more of a kind of um, like a demo review of the game, which is what you're sort of doing with your first hour. Um, is the most so the uh, the one based on the name of the rose is that the most recent one you've done of those? No, I uploaded one earlier this week on oh, um, nice. the Viceroy. Cool. Um, yeah, it is a great little strategy game that I've been meaning to play for a while, like a 4X style space empire kind of thing. It's got a much smaller scale to it. Um, and then I did, in fact, record one this week, but I'm not going to upload it for another week. 
So that one will air not this coming Monday, but the following Monday. And I'm hoping to keep the two-week schedule going for a while. Cool. Uh, while I'm building up on my love and friendship for the class I'm teaching. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I was going to ask if you had read Name of the Rose recently, uh, or reread rather, or if you're just going to. It has been a while. Okay. Uh, I was like, I think the first time I read it was four or five years ago at this point, and that's the only time I've read it. Like, I, I keep wanting to go back and reread it, but my reading list is always just <laughs> overwhelming. It, um, it would it go. Makes, makes a lot of I mean, it would go nicely with your with your dissertation that you're thinking about at all times, right? Like oh, the, the whole semiotics thing. Um, yeah. Okay. As it was while I was in Chestertown, one of the books that I did in fact pick up from the bookstore was uh, Umberto Echo's, what is it? Six Walks? Something? Six Walks Through the Woods of Literature or something like that. Ah. Um, so it's like six of his essays on, on the whole fiction business. Nice. Uh, which I'm eager to read because, you know, he's not, he's one part semiotician, he's one part philosopher, he's one part fiction writer, which, of course, that, this that's is why a, I like him very yeah, much. It's a good mentor to have. Yeah, and I am the same way. I have books that I've been sitting on since college or even before that I'm like, I, I'm going to read this, but I just haven't yet. Uh, and that's, again, I think therein lies hope, I would say. And the backlog is similar, right? It's like the first hour, like a way to manage and approach games that you've been wanting to play for a long time. It's like, that's awesome. Uh, uh, so are you going to schedule out what games you're going to do? Or are you sort of going to do things as the spirit moves you as far as that goes? Thus far, it's been very much as the spirit moves me, and I've actually really enjoyed it. Um, I, I've been keeping a games-to-play list on basically all of my platforms for years now. Like That's just how I organize you know, the things that I'm most eager to play yeah. um, versus the random drops that clutters up my inventory for buying too many Humble Bundles. Um, and... At the same time, like, I occasionally feel just inclined to play something with no stakes. Like, a lot of the games that I really want to play, I know are going to require an investment. Mm -hmm. So, like, just looking through my list, I you can see that, you know, I've got, like, the the Prey from, I want to say, 2012. I tried getting into it. It was a big game. It was horrible and very, like, tough to, to sort of get into. Um, it required a lot of investment on my part. So, like, it's back in the games to playlist, and I know that if I'm going to tackle it, I'm going to need some significant time at my disposal. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the other hand, a lot of those games that I get from Humble Bundles, I don't care about. Like, I just have them. You know, like, Kill It With Fire or Adom, I, I just was like, hey, let's, let's see if this is any good. Mm -hmm. um, and I still have a few more just hanging around up along the way. Um, from either from a humble bundle or from a developer that something cheap, you know, or a free-to-play game or something. Um, so the great thing about the first hour is that it can accommodate either one of those very easily. So if I feel like, 
as much as I, I stress and as much as the gimmick is, you know, this is my first time playing these games and I have no idea what to expect, um, I have sort of in the back of my mind this kind of expectation that this is a game that I might seriously invest in mm-hmm. versus this is a game that I fully expect. Like, either it's going to be, you know, a nothing title and I'm just going to dismiss it out of hand, or it's going to be something that I can get into and get out of right yeah yeah and both are okay right like yeah there isn't a um a judgment in that sense like there's room for all these kind of games yeah yeah which i think is worth worth restating though yeah yes and as much as i have been fairly harsh on both the the abbey of crime and adam and providing that other side of the coin with with the first hour because yeah as going in and you know most of what we've been doing so far has been the the long form right like really play the game um and and ring as much out of it as you can um but then there's a trade-off there you know and and there's certainly uh, a danger too i want to say like from a student, a potential student's point of view, it's almost enough to know that a thing is assigned and to know that you're going to have to read it or play it for, you know, days and weeks on end. 
to make you sort of resent it and uh, just take some of the fun out of it. And that's, that's a killer, right? Because if it's not yeah. fun, then it's like, well, shoot, <laughs> what's even the point? So, so in that sense, not having it assigned, right? And just sort of playing whatever you want um, and thinking about it still in, in a deep way, uh, but not necessarily looking at every single uh, aspect and moment of the game <laughs> the way you might uh, with a, with another kind of of approach. So, yeah. So I like I like that that's on offer here. And my my small contribution that I have in my to do list here is to just um, reach out to developers or fandoms or whoever's out there um, talking about these games and saying, hey, like here's a take on the game. Um, give it a look, you know? And so just doing a bit more of that, I wouldn't call it marketing because that implies some level of professionalism, but just like broadcasting a bit more, um, yeah. some of the stuff that you, you're putting up for us so that people can find it. Um, and just uh, hopefully widening our, uh, our reach a bit, but we'll see. We'll see. That's like that's still like very stressful for me. That's like a level of human interaction yeah. that is a, quite daunting to just like appear on a on a random message board on Reddit somewhere and be like, "Hey, here's this thing." <laughs> that's like I definitely sympathize there. <laughs> there's there's a reason that I have been sticking to creating things and not Yeah. I wish that I had the kind of charisma that a Corey Olson, you know, has got to be able to. Uh, uh do that sort of thing um but i that's just not a one of my um skills uh in my toolbox at this point so but i will attempt it and uh and uh the the reading side of things um so i know this is mm, perhaps more than you've had time for but did you ever look at that interactive fiction dissertation uh from marianne buckles okay got some interact with the, the Ramapo job suddenly materializing. Um, I've been very much digging deep into my good old Greeks uh, <laughs> yeah. since then. Well, so, yeah, but, so their, their discussion of it on the Game Studies podcast uh, was really good, uh, really, I would say, like, charitable. And they aren't often that way. So um, I found it really interesting that they sort of treated this this writer with a lot more sort of care and respect than they sometimes do because um, they they go in with a pretty sharp uh focus sometimes on like certain things that they personally are interested in the one guy is like a poet or a, a poetry teacher or whatever um the other is like a media studies guy and so he's like mostly into film but also like science fiction and games and stuff so they they're like very um very much like professional academics. Uh, and so I was kind of pleasantly surprised that they didn't like take this person's, you know, student dissertation to pieces um, on the air. Uh, but it's, it's worth a listen anyway. So I'll, I will like write up a little review of that um, sometime soon and, and post that. Um, but then as far as your reading, so you say and you're, you're prepping mostly for the, the course then, are you doing any outside reading at this point, or just kind of hunkered down? I've always got a couple things that I'm reading, 
pleasure um, nice. or you know something adjacent to that. <laughs> uh, I'm actually working my way slowly through Mickelson's Ghosts for the umpteenth time. Oh wow! Um, yeah, which I, I just inevitably return back to it. It's it's one of my favorites. Always fairly trustworthy. Um, and I, the other one that I've been sort of on and off with is uh, Borges's Fictions. Sure. Um, I, I've been working my way through through them slow and steady. Got like the big fancy Penguin collection of all of his fiction and stuff. Getting through it. Nice. Um, and it's just stunning. Like, <laughs> not all of them blow my mind, but they all make me think. And some of them are just... Like, I forget the one, the, tu- the Tertus Orba, where it turns mm. out that, like, they've made up this fictional language, and then there's, like, all these people that start speaking it. Right. it it's just, sh- just shockingly, like, bursting at the seams with ideas. Yeah. Um, so that's, whenever I, I get a chance, I, I do steal a little more there. Dude, um, I, have, I have always wondered, and I haven't, wondered hard enough to actually look this up but if anybody has written on borges and tolkien and the way that they both use language for instance right and invented languages um borges was a student of um nordic languages too uh, which is obviously tolkien's kind of ballywick um but of the two right borges is like lauded as this sort of you know major 20th century author um tolkien is sort of getting recognition in those in that regard but um belatedly you know because of the kind of fantasy he wrote versus the kind of fiction or whatever it is that borges was into Uh, so i just find i just think there would be a lot there as far as like a comparative um uh study of some kind Uh, just in the cursory search i discovered that apparently at least one interview somebody asked borges about tolkien so they were Okay. Aware of one another, I guess, or at least he was aware of Tolkien. Yeah, um, and I think what he said in that interview, if I recall, is like very dismissive. Actually, <laughs> yeah. like, I find it very boring and long-winded, or something to that effect. Um, yeah. Which is what people say about Tolkien when they are maybe not reading him too carefully. I, I, I don't know, but I, I don't understand know. the thinking. Like, yeah. As much as I love Tolkien. Absolutely remember the nine months it took me to read Fellowship of the Ring for the first time. <laughs> right. um, you can get kicked out of it pretty easily. Yeah. You know, he, he would never have survived a first hour type. Yeah, um, right, right. Whereas Borges is like made for that. Um, oh, yeah. Borges is just like, okay, give me five minutes and I'm going to tell you something that you've never, ever heard before or thought about. Yeah. Um, so you know all of all of his best ideas were you know bite-sized chunks uh, whereas tolkien you know he, he needed to he needed a long runway to get off the ground <laughs> right. right uh well so what do you think will be a reasonable amount of games related reading uh, and zero is an acceptable answer here like yeah. Um, is that is that the answer? <laughs> it might be. Okay. Um, like as as much as it pains me to say it, um, especially during the semester, especially when I'm teaching a new class, like I I will have very little time to 
And it's not even the time thing. It's just how much of my day will be spent reading yeah. already. <laughs> Got it. No, um, the, the bandwidth is, yeah. is real. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know. The way that this other podcast works is they read one book a month and they talk about it for like two or three hours. Um, and maybe, I think maybe the way to approach it then, what I'll do is sort of just try to read whatever they're reading and like f uh, feed off of them and be like a ripple on their wave. Um, because they pick things that are interesting and usually like important um, as far as things that get cited a lot or things that have important contributions or something. Um, but again, I don't, I usually do not dis do not agree much with what they have to say about the books they read. Um, in the few occasions that they're things that I have also read, I'm like, did we even read the same book uh, sometimes? So maybe that's what I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just sort of shadow their, their book club. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but anyway, uh, as far as reading goes, again, I think it's just important that we, we be doing that, you know, in some form, um, yeah. along with the game. So that's my, uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, like, yeah, getting, getting Stardew happening, planning out a little bit of the CRPG curriculum here and then uh yeah doing a little bit of reading on the side there that i think that's a good amount of stuff to do is there what other stuff did you have in mind for the fall uh or just in general um, well one thing that's sort of springing to mind is as you're talking about the, the reading and you know keeping up with to, to add a couple of articles and, and bring more texts to the, the VGA program, you could just teach it to us. Ah, um, yeah. Like, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on you as a professor who has stood at the front of the class where nobody did the reading for, for today. Like, it obviously <laughs> isn't a terribly fun experience a lot of the time. Um, but if you wanted, you could absolutely, like, read whatever book needs to be read on the podcast, write up, like, a short, you know, say or something you know mm -hmm. your video game academy put what's like the news you stumble across in periodicals or something yeah and then we can grill you about it um later just sort of pick your brain um which you know if you've got the time to read and, and we do not that seems like a fairly elegant solution to get the information across that would be great. Yeah, I'm pretty bad at distilling things in a useful way. I'm much more sort of impressionistic about things usually, but this would be a good um, apprenticeship for me, perhaps. So, yeah, I can give that a whirl. Um, I'll, again, I, I don't know how much of their sort of future reading list they have posted, but I'll hunt around for it. Usually they just like announce a month or two out. Um, Surprise, uh, we're doing this. But yeah, uh, that's how we do it too. So <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. This is clearly like a hobby that they did kind of in addition to their normal jobs. And then it sort of like blew up uh, where they're pretty, they're pretty popular now, actually. So, um, so yeah, uh, 
and if nothing else, I can sort of read like those those basic books, like you know, the art of game design, which you have sent me, yes. and I read like half of so far. Um, uh, things like that, so I can start there. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I don't know, like my sort of vision for this was always like something that's you know a fun, but also potentially could be useful to teachers somewhere. And maybe not necessarily like people teaching college courses in game design because they're probably like way past a lot of stuff. But, you know, for people doing elective courses or like clubs or something somewhere, um, they could find useful things here. There's, I think there's also just so much need at this point for an academic discussion treating video games as texts that need to be dissected and you know in the same way that literary criticism is, is mm -hmm. constantly evaluating and reevaluating shakespeare or uh or you know joyce or any of the great towering literary figures of the past we need to start doing that for games and uh, as as much as i know that there are some academic institutions with actual accreditation that are doing that kind of work and as much as there are tons of independent people on, on you know youtube or on the internet generally who are sort of getting to that mm -hmm. um throwing our hat in the ring and you know doing a long right up of five minutes and six yeah or you know that that's needed like we're we're contributing to the discussion with all those capital letters in there. Um, <laughs> right. So, so yeah, like I, I, I am happy contributing in that way. And especially when we, when we get to sort of tackle the unrecognized games, either of the past or the indie scene, like what we did Little Inferno, you know, we could very well be the word on that. So, <laughs> Maybe, yeah. um, and it just helps to get that, that game going too. Like, yeah. you know, hundreds of games are being added to Steam every week. Kind of got to work to figure out which ones are worthwhile, which ones have depth, which ones have something to say. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, like, there's a lot of different applications here. We just need to, just need to find our niche, find our, our mode. True, true. Yeah, and I think that I should try again to um, reach out to some of these developers, right? So like, yeah, that was pretty cool that they replied uh, to the email I sent about using their music. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if they'd reply to some like interview questions, uh, at least over email and even possibly to like do a live interview or, or discussion with them. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, there's because yeah, there's so many games out there and they need to sort of uh, stand out somehow, right? So getting a, yep. a scholarly uh, look uh, is maybe one way to do that. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's daunting how much uh, there, uh, you know, there is like an academic discussion, but for most people who play games, that's not like at all interesting or particularly accessible. And so finding ways, yeah, to just like, carry over some of the things that might be worthwhile from that to um, a more general audience as well. But see, yeah, this is where I get sort of like tied up, I guess, is like tied up in knots with um, trying to 
sort of do both things, right? Trying to talk about the games in an academic way and, and sort of give them that treatment that they deserve on the one hand, right? But then on the other hand, like sifting through all of the stuff, all, all the words out there um, about some of these classic games and just being like, here is the most important thing um, to know as you're playing this, right? To like really help you appreciate it. Uh, and it's interesting that some of those YouTubers are kind of coming to that realization, right? Like they're less interested now maybe in the flashy effects and like, uh, I don't know, like um, that, that sort of thing. And they're maybe getting yeah. more interested in like the, the deeper discussion of the themes of the game. And like, I don't know, that's just something I've noticed like sort of anecdotally with the few people that I do listen to out there. It's like a thing that they are interested in doing now. Um, but I feel like we do it a bit better for all our, our low tech um, personally. That's what I think. Yeah. I mean, there are a few teams sort of like commentators, critics, I suppose, who, who I have sort of, fallen for at one point or another, but mm -hmm. it's true that the vast majority of the discussion is, is not terribly academic. Yeah. Um, it's not even terribly insightful in many cases, right. um, which, you know, but the, I, I feel like it, it's kind of become a weird sort of crusade of mine to seek out and find the, the cream on the dross that is, you know, internet culture and YouTube and stuff, <laughs> right. that, that old adage about like 90% of everything is crap, and I'm, you know, desperately trying to sit through it to get to the 10% that isn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I like to think that we are in that 10%, even if we are terrible at dressing it up to look <laughs> at all respectable or, um, you know, professional. Yes. So, like, that's one of the things that I kind of like about the first hour is I, I think I've managed to split that difference pretty nicely. Yes. Um, like, on the one hand, you know, it, it presents itself as a let's play where there's a certain lower expectation uh, for quality. But on the other hand, you know, I top it off with discussion, which, you know, is a terribly high quality, certainly not the level of, like, a... Danskin or, or Aaron Signal or something, mm -hmm. um, but you know, it, it allows us to to hit that what I hope is a sweet spot. Um, yeah. You know, and somebody who is just interested in seeing what a game looks like and is not interested in hearing somebody else rave about you know their favorite game the umpteenth time, <laughs> um, or alternatively to just sort of dismissively play a thing, give it a number, and call it a day. Um, but yeah, it is it is tricky. Um, and I think that there are more and more video essayists of merit and, and significance sort of coming out. Like, just in the past year or so, I've seen some three or four different people recommended to me by students. And, and they're all good. Like, they, they're they're journeymen, they're figuring things out, but they have interesting ideas, they have things to say. Um, and I like that this is, I, I like that this is growing. Right. Um, yeah. I, I guess if anything, the danger is that because we cannot, because because we lack polish, we might very well get left in dust. Yes. Sort of grows and, and we don't, or, you know, 
the value waves is going to reinterpret itself. Well, that's that's the interesting thing. Like, it's funny you say the polish is um, is important there because I totally agree, right? We yeah. uh, we we thrive on the like careful reading um, of a of a listener, so to speak. We fall down on the first hour uh, unless they're in a I don't know, yeah, in a particular sort of whimsical mood, maybe they'll uh, put up with it. Um, and and I wonder, again, I think maybe sort of like hanging around on the coattails of some of these people is a way to um, finesse that, right? So like, yeah, doing interviews with developers or um, even with some of these other YouTubers out there, right? And just yeah. like giving them a forum that's a little different and that's maybe um, something that's a little bit out of their comfort zone, but that we can sort of provide um, and, and help structure a bit. But yeah, yeah, well, so, okay. If you can, uh, I know you've done this in the past, but like you're more up-to-date or more recent finds as far as the uh, the creme de la creme out there. Um, and we can, uh, kind of work our way through those, uh, reaching out to people and seeing what they are as what their availability might be or what their interest uh, in in a conversation. Um, cool. That would be a good thing to do. All right. Uh, any other, I don't know, any other questions, concerns, random thoughts? At the moment, um, like, as much as I, I do want to hear from, from Steve and Corey to see if they have any ideas, like, uh, as much as I know that this is very much a brainchild, and it's, it's largely been driven by our efforts, mm -hmm. yours, and your sort of organizational and, and creative capacity, and mine and my just relentless content making, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, like I, I would like to see what what they have to say. Um, mm -hmm. like, like I would like feedback from the handful of people who we've sort of attracted to our project. Yeah. Um, like even uh, John, one of my friends uh, here, originally from Boston College, but he's in Staten Island. Um, he was the one that alerted me that my most recent, the first hour, was soundless. <laughs> um, so I had to fix that. Um, but he's he's always happy to give me notes. But a little bit more feedback might go a long way at this point. See, you know what people want. Like, um, as much as I know that there's always this tension in academic discourse between you know, do you do the thing that is popular that everybody wants to hear about, or do you do the thing that is you know rich and elite and you know, capital I important. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that I think that especially in video games, there's more room for overlap between the two than there would be normally. Yeah. Um, just because so many of the things that are really popular are also popular because they're really good. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like Undertale, like you know, the Zelda franchise, all that stuff. Um, so I would like to hear some feedback, like. Get you know, send an open survey to to all of our video game 
followers um, and see what they what they want to see from us, what what we what they think we might have to offer. Cool, that's a good idea. Yeah, like a feedback query of some kind. Um, yeah, because I think generally people would not just up in com like even yeah looking at like the number of views on a video versus the number of comments it's like thousands to one usually um and that's so it's very hard to get that unsolicited feedback yeah yeah and we we certainly are not quite in the thousands yet less <laughs> uh, less uh but um yeah, I've got journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, right? And I've yeah, I've got I've got some time as of now. Uh, school year here doesn't start for another month or so, and as far as I know, I'm still going to be just subbing, so my schedule will be relatively relatively open still, and I don't have to do any more online coursework at the moment, um, so that is a huge relief. Uh, so yeah, so I'll be I'll be able to devote a little more time and attention to this, I hope. Um, and William should be in daycare soon. That's going to be a oh. game changer. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, thanks again. Uh, I will, I will uh, take very much into consideration all of, all of what we sort of brainstormed here and, uh, I'll try to write up a better like schedule uh, and, and get on my organization a bit here. Um, and yeah, good luck with everything. When does your when does your class actually start? We actually just figured that out yesterday. First day, <laughs> um, it's apparently in September, but it's like day two of September. Mm. Uh, so we are already getting close. Um, three weeks between me and those first day of classes are getting shorter and looking more packed by the day. Yeah. Um, God. End of summer. Yeah. Uh, it's the Sunday afternoon of the year. I tell yes, you. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, take care of yourself. Um, I hope that Sarah will see a text from Steph when she is up tomorrow, and we can figure that out uh, about Stardew. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again soon, uh, next Thursday, if that works for you. But, sure. I right. don't see any reason why it would. All right. Then that will probably be our feedback session, I will hope. Um, okay. I can some people on there. Right. Okay. Plane scoop after that, I assume. Yeah, yeah, I want I wanna figure out more of a timetable for that, but yeah, that'll be that'll be the plan. All right, till then, take care. Very well.